quite the introduction. I'm really not that great, I promise. But I am excited to be here. Hey, how are you? Um, very brief biographical info because not everybody here knows me or my family or the time we spent here. And, and so I look forward to getting to know some of you maybe after service or at lunch or something. And others of you, it's been great to see you. My wife and I have been trying to serve the Lord uh, together our whole lives, our whole married lives. And uh, God brought us up to the mountains in 08 to serve at the Western Carolina Baptist Campus Ministries and um, loved it five years there. And for the first time ever, we got to choose a church because we had always served churches. And when you're doing that, God sends you somewhere. And though you have a choice, you, you kind of don't um, if you're going to be obedient. And so tell them I'll call them later if they're busy. Thanks. Um, so basically, we got to choose a church, and we, we chose Webster. We came here. We loved it. We loved the atmosphere. We loved the biblical preaching and teaching. We loved how you loved us and cared for our family. And uh, so I've got three boys here today and, uh, with us. And when we got here, we had one who was three, one in the belly, seven months pregnant, and one wasn't quite thought of yet. And so now they're all running around like crazy. And we served... Uh, the BSU BCM for five years, and then we transitioned on staff here at Adaville, that's my other church, at Webster. I call them Webster a lot, so it's only fair that I call you Adaville at least once. Um, and it was an amazing time, right? And, and as Caleb would say, as, as Scott would say, if Vince would say, those times aren't without conflict, or they're not without, you know, hiccups, they're not without things that kind of trouble you. But when you look at the whole, you think, man, that was great. I loved it. It was wonderful, very sanctifying work, and I got to be the associate pastor of everything. Um, I did it all. I did youth. I did college. I did worship. I did life groups. I did mission trips. I did worship, uh, you know, just really plugged in, and I feel like the years of serving here at Webster really prepared me for that next step that I was never looking for, that step of Jesus calling me to go back, get my doctorate, and become a senior pastor. I, I wasn't one of those guys that saw that as the end goal, you know, like I loved every step of my journey serving the Lord as I did. I never saw it as an ambition to be something other than what he called me to do in that season. But here I am, senior pastor, Jeff Pate, Dr. Jeff, whatever you call it. It doesn't, I'm just Jeff. And, and I, I just love getting to do that. And so to come back here and all those special times and you're here and, and I thought, well, Lord, what? I really don't want to just give them some fluff and stuff message. I, I never preach those anyway. I don't want to come back here and try to impress you. I don't want to come back here and do anything other than speak to your heart. I wanted to minister to you. I wanted to add to the ministry that already exists here of shepherding your souls in the, in the gospel. And so the Lord put on my heart this message. Uh, it was a series that I had preached a while back. And I took the whole series and I just jammed it into one message uh, called The Yoke and the Burden. And we're going to look at Matthew eleven twenty five through 30. And I really hope that God speaks to you through the message today, that he encourages you or challenges you or even calls you out on some things that you can experience the freedom of Christ and the rest for your souls that he intends for us. And so I'm going to read this passage together, pray, and then we're going to dive in. Okay? So read with me here. In Matthew eleven twenty five 25 through 30. 
says, At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Father, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would be mightily at work in this place and this time. Give us ears to hear your truth. Let it be spoken accurately and without flesh getting in the way. And I pray that you help us to understand how to apply the truth of your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, how many of you in here, when I say the word yoke, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Mental image, you know what a yoke is. Okay, see, I said this. I was at the early service. I said, you know, early service, more agricultural people, they would know it. I said, let's see what happens at the 11. And you guys are just like I was, you ignorant wretches, okay? So <laughs> when I was uh, raised, I'll, I'll fill you in on how it goes. I was raised Catholic. By the time I was 12 or 13, I called myself an atheist friend of mine invited me to go to church with him. You know, it's always invitation is a great thing, whether it's CEO or BCM or church. You invite people and they're more willing to come. And so my friend kept inviting me to go to his youth group. And I went for uh, basketball, pretty girls and Wednesday night dinners. Had no desire for Jesus. I just showed up consistently and they just kept loving me. Finally, I become a Christian. Uh, but this is a Pentecostal charismatic church. And so I went from Catholic to Pentecostal. Don't advise it. Um, and so it was like, wow, neat. This is, this is not Catholic. And, um, and then I started going to big church. You ever called it big church when you were younger? You went to youth group and that was all cool, but then you had to go to big church and that's boring. Not today, kids. And so um, it was there that I was experiencing church and worship and preaching and teaching. And I loved it. And it was a good church. And the, the pastor there was a solid man who loved the Lord. But then God started drawing me into other things. Like in college, I was doctrinally kind of trying to cut my teeth and see where am I? What do I believe about all this? And we got some of my Bapticostals out there. You know who you are. Uh, right, right, Kel, Kel? And so, um, so basically what's going on there is I, I'm learning who I am in Christ. I'm learning what doctrine is. I'm learning, okay, well, they practice this. I don't really see that in Scripture. And, oh, these other churches don't practice this, but Scripture says to do it. And, and I'm sort of figuring all that out. And a lot of you are probably on a similar journey right now. And um, lo and behold, God kind of brought me, tricked me a little bit to bring in, me into Baptist ministry. And, uh, and I just wasn't interested. I didn't care. I was like, whatever, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And so uh, later, uh, now on paper, I'm like the most Baptist man in the world because I've gone to two Baptist seminaries, ordained in a Baptist church, and blah, blah, blah. And so, but at the same time, I'm still the same person who said, Lord, I just want your truth. I just want your relevance. I just need to know what you have for me. The, the titles are not as important. They're, they're helpful to distinct for distinctives to distinguish between, you know, truth and error sometimes. But here's, here's the lo and behold. I was still ignorant about a lot of things. And all that to say, 
For many years, I wrestled with the mental image when I would hear him say, take my yoke upon you, my burden is light. I would always think of fried eggs um, because I was thinking of yolks, right? Uh, that's really theologically not accurate. It is not good. Jesus was not offering me a fried egg sandwich when he said, take my yoke upon you. Though Those are delicious. And so I had to get a visual image, and somebody helped me with that one day. And we didn't have Google back then. I'm old. And so Google was the library. And, uh, or you're hearing somebody say something, and there were no fact checkers back then. I mean, there was the old lady who said, amen, brother. And you just, that must have been true because she amened it. Um, <laughs> but I learned what a yoke was. A yoke, fellow ignorant wretches, is this large wooden beam that's curved, and it's about, you know, could be about yay big and it's really thick and on this side and on this side there are these wooden dowels that fit over the neck of a beast of burden so you've seen yokes you probably just don't realize it right so on this one you got a cow on this side you got a cow and this one would be the lead animal and they would put that yoke down on the neck and this animal was trained and knew what to do and was a stronger animal. And then you would take the one you're trying to train and trying to bring along and you would lift the dowel and put it over their head and you would lock it on. And that's what Jesus is saying. Take my yoke upon you. And so we are yoked up with Jesus to do his work. Now, mentally, once you realize, oh, okay, Visually, I can see it now that Jesus is the stronger, wiser, more experienced beast of burden. He's the son of God. He's perfect. He's holy. He's everything. Why would I tell him, all right, come Jesus, I got this yoke, I'll handle this. No, I yoke up to Jesus. And he says, take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so when we think of the yoke of Jesus, what I'd like you to, to realize is he's actually, I know you hear that and you think work, you think drudgery, you think plowing a field, uh, labor intense. But when Jesus says that, he's actually offering us rest. That's the thing that Jesus does best. He gives us rest for our souls, all right? So this yoke is not religion. This yoke is not the burden. This yoke is his rest for us. And we see that when he says in John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. And we saw right there, he said, listen, you don't come unless the Father uh, draws you. He reveals me. And the thing about that is we know who Jesus is now. He's been revealed in Scripture as the Son of God. He is the only hope of salvation. The revelation he's talking about in Matthew 11 has happened because we have his word and we get to tell people exactly who Jesus is. Jews, Gentiles, it doesn't matter. Jesus has been revealed. So the thing I need to lead with today, the opening point for you guys to understand is simply this. Here it is. The yoke of Jesus is the only way to find rest for your souls. Now that seems paradoxical because we're saying, well, how do you find rest? Well, you get that beast of burden and you yoke up. But that's exactly what Jesus is saying. He's saying, listen, if you want to have rest for your soul, then what you really have to do is yoke up to me. And I can attest to that in my life. The times in my life where I've gone 
my own way. I've tried it my way. I've rebelled, as Caleb was saying. You know, the tensions you feel in discipleship, it's, it's two-sided. There's flesh on both sides. There's, uh, when we have differences of opinions or, or when something is trying to get worked out, it's hard because we get in our own way. And we have our, a very myopic understanding of how things need to be. And so we resist things. And we can get to the point in our pride, our arrogance, our hubris, where we actually believe that we know what's best for ourselves and why won't Jesus just give it to me? Instead of saying, I will yoke up to Jesus and go where he leads me, that's the only way to find rest for your souls. How many of you would say in the last few years, I mean, COVID and everything else, that your soul has gotten tired or weary a time or two. How many have, have experienced a time? You know, we have other words that we use that. We don't call it soul weary. We call it burnout. I feel some burnout. I need to take a break. Well, here's how I know that's a religious mindset. And I've been there too. The old covenant, Old Testament purpose behind Sabbath was to rest from your work. It was a commandment to them. On the seventh day, you must rest. Don't do work. Don't do anything. And that was the understanding of a Sabbath rest, was to rest from your work. But here comes Jesus. He loves to mess up the way we see things. And he explains what it really meant, what it's really designed to He goes, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. I'm your Sabbath rest. When you come to me, you understand. And now when you Sabbath in me... You're not resting from your work. You're resting in your work. Why? Because Ephesians says, I have created you to do good works in Christ Jesus. We're not saved and set on a shelf. We don't have to go, go, go until we burn out. And then Jesus says, oh, come here, poor buddy. You've worked so hard. Come here and just rest for a minute. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Colossians 1.29, Paul says, To this end I labor, struggling with his energy, which so powerfully works in me. Do you see the constant symbiosis here? That it's Paul laboring, but with the strength of Jesus. It's Paul's toil, but with the power of Jesus. Like, we're not doing this on our own. So if you're weary today, if you're struggling today, if you're not finding rest today, I would suggest the first thing you need to do is examine your yoke. Are you yoked to Jesus? Or are you trying your best to make him yoke to you? So then we look at this idea of rest and we look at the Jewish understanding of Sabbath and the fulfillment of that in Christ. And, and I'll tell you, I'm a big proponent in Sabbath. I think it's great. I don't mind people resting. I don't think we do it in an old covenant way anymore because the law has been fulfilled for us. But you can Sabbath in Christ. You can rest in your work and you can actually sometimes rest from your work. It's all healthy and good as long as Christ is the center of it. And not this idea that you're working and earning and striving. Jesus did the striving. He did the work. We are benefiting from what he did. And that's the beauty of it. And so he tells us that his yoke is easy. But here's the problem. His definition of easy and mine, they don't always line up. Right? I have served the Lord 
really, honestly, since I got out of high school. I, I, the first time I was a youth leader out of high school when I was 20. It was the first time I took a job at a church as a youth minister. Um, I began serving my, uh, full-time in ministry when I was 23 and was ordained when I was 26, 27, something like that. And so I've been serving the Lord. My family, my wife and I moved down to New Orleans to go to seminary. Hurricane Katrina sent us back to Georgia in our last year. And then we went from Georgia up here and we served here in this area for 11 years. And now we've served for just over three years over in Rutherfordton, Spindale, Forest City area. And uh, at Adaville Baptist Church, been the senior pastor there. And I, I'll be the first to tell you that serving Jesus is not easy. And if people tell you that, they're lying or stupid, or they're not serving Jesus. I don't know. But for me, to be in ministry, my wife and I laugh all the time. We talk about that song, Easy Like Sunday Mornings. Like, man, I'll slap you in the mouth. Ain't nothing easy about Sunday mornings, especially when you're in ministry. That is just a misnomer. And if you're trying to live for Jesus, tell me that the devil doesn't mess with you more on Sunday mornings than any other day of the week. If you got kids, that's some sanctifying work on a Sunday morning. You're like, I will wrestle you to the ground, Satan. And then you're talking to your child. And they're like, I'm not Satan, you know. Uh, it's like, get me behind me. And it's just how it works. So what does it mean for this? Well, here's the thing. Second point for you. The yoke of Jesus is easy, but that doesn't mean the journey he leads us on will be. We've got to be smart enough to realize that Jesus' yoke is easy, not the journey. His desire for us, the ability to trust him is easy, but applying it with human relationships is not. Jesus isn't lying. He's not tricking us. He says, my yoke is easy. Surrendering to me is as simple as doing it. There's nothing tricky about it. There's nothing hard about it. Just surrender to me. But the hard part is surrendering to me over and over in these difficult situations. But he said we could do it. He said that his strength in us is perfected in our weakness. That's a beautiful promise. Because I feel pretty weak a lot of times. Not up to the task. And yet, when I realize whose yoke is around my neck, I think, okay, we can do it. We can do it. We can do it. So then, why does Jesus say, come to me, all who are weary and burdened or heavy laden, a lot of translations might say, and I will give you rest. I'll give it to you. You'll, you'll have my rest. Then he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, Right? discipleship is the idea of how we learn to do this Christian life. That's why the Great Commission says pretty beautifully, and, uh, and not just beautifully, but very factually, go therefore into all the world and make disciples of all people, all nations, all ta ethne, and uh, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded. You see, he didn't just say, hey, go out there and do your best, sling some seeds of the gospel, and then move on. He says, no, the, the goal is to make disciples. You go and you share Jesus, and you baptize them into a local body, and you teach them what I taught you. 
So when we learn from him, that's the point. We're not supposed to be in a vacuum. We're not supposed to learn of Jesus so that we can get puffed up. What does Paul say about that? He goes, listen, knowledge puffs up. Love doesn't. You find yourself getting spiritually arrogant, check that yoke. Because that's not the purpose of it at all. And he says this, the beauty of it. Take my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now that's, that's an oxymoronical statement. That, that seems incompatible. A burden is not light. By definition, a burden is a heavy load. Right? So how can your heavy load be light? Now, the burden is something, a noun is a heavy load. A verb is to place a heavy load on someone. So he is literally saying, take my burden upon you. I will burden you with my burden. But it's okay. It's a light burden. So it begs the question, what does that even mean? Well, here's one of the things I think we can look at Galatians chapter 1. Paul makes a really neat point here. Um, if you've never studied the, these epistles, the Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, um, there's a lot of similar theology woven through, but each one has a different tone and a different theme. And Galatians is the only letter that Paul just skips over the niceties. He doesn't thank them and rejoice over them. He's frustrated with them. Philippians is the, the epistle of joy. Yay, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. And Ephesians is like, oh, shine your light, bright little people. And Colossians is like, oh, God works in all things, and you guys are really rocking it. And Galatians goes, what's wrong with you? What are you doing? You guys are doing great. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, let's be Jews again. He's like, no, you don't do that. Someone has bewitched you. They've cut in on you. And he says in Galatians 5.1, It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. See, outside of Christ, we're still yoked. We're just yoked to slavery. And we still have a burden, but it's the burden of slave labor. And Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You can't have both. You can't do it your way or the world's way and find rest for your soul. My burden is light. So it begs the question, what does it look like to bear the burden of Jesus? Well, here's what it doesn't look like. The, we all know the Christian who does it all, and always looks so tired and sort of humble brags about everything he or she does for Jesus. It's like, oh, the Lord really used me mightily this week. Here's all the things I did, praise God. It's like, I'm not praising God. You're just talking about how awesome you are. That's, that's not what we do. And some people look so, and I'm going to be honest with you guys because I'm not your pastor anymore. I can hurt your feelings and leave. Um, <laughs> Some people in church, and I'm sure this church has them too, are the ones who do everything with the worst attitude all the time. And you're like, stop serving. You're killing me. Like you and your service is like too much. Just stop. If you can't have joy in your heart, if you can't serve with gladness, then why are you doing it? And they wear it as a badge of honor. Look at me suffering for the Lord. Look at us suffering for you. Like, stop it. And so it, it says this, third point for you guys, if you're keeping up here. Just because you carry a burden well, doesn't mean you were meant to carry it at all. And you can't heap everything on your own shoulders and go, look at me serving Jesus. 
He says, that's not my burden. That's yours. You've done that. How do I know? Well, Paul goes on in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, and he says this, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Here's the next point, beloved. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. So if your service wears you down and embitters you to your brothers and sisters, that's not the Lord's burden. You're carrying a very different burden if that's your outlook, okay? 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast your burdens upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. So you're not meant to be crushed by serving Jesus. It's not meant to destroy you. I can look out on a sea of faces and I guarantee many of you have experienced some type of wound from a church, a church staff, a pastor, a Sunday school teacher, uh, a Christian friend. Someone has hurt you at some point. Someone has caused you to say, I don't know if I'm, I'm down with all this, to be honest. This Christian thing, this church thing. And thankfully, someone has said, hey, listen, they're not all like that. Come to this church. We want to love you. I'll even tell you, because I I served side by side with him for 11 years, and this is going to shock some of you, Pastor Scott's not perfect. I know, you're like, stop it, you blasphemer. He really isn't. He's a great guy, and I love him, and I consider him a dear friend. And Caleb is in the same boat. Caleb's not perfect. We make mistakes. I tell people as they're coming to my new members class to decide if they're going to join my church, I said, let me just make you a couple of promises. I'm going to hurt your feelings, I'm going to let you down, and you're going to think, why did I ever join this church? So consider that before you join, right? Let's have that conversation now. I will let you down, I promise. I don't even mean to most of the time. Like, it's just a knee-jerk, I'm in my flesh, didn't even consider that I hurt your feelings, didn't even realize what I was saying or doing was such a pain for you. I'm over here doing this thing. It happens. Churches do it, pastors do it, well-meaning brothers and sisters in Christ do it. Jesus doesn't. He says, take my burden upon you. Begs the question, well, then what is the burden of Jesus? Well, that brings us to our fourth point here. While the yoke of Jesus is the Father's will, that's what we're doing, right? His burden is the souls of mankind. That's the burden of Jesus. That's why the Great Commission says, go out to all the world and make disciples of all nations and baptize them and teach them and love them and represent to them and help them to bear fruit so that they can make disciples. That's why Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 2, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, you trust to reliable men and then they will in turn trust others to do the same work. It's a, a fountain of flowing discipleship. It's generational. It continues. If your faith dies with you, you were not a disciple nor a disciple maker. You were just some religious convert. That's the point of Christianity. Now some of you may say, whoa man, don't get all in my grill about like I'm doing my best. I get it. I'm not saying you're not a Christian if you haven't led a thousand people to the Lord. What I'm saying is that's the burden of Jesus and if it's not your burden, there's something wrong here. It just means there's something wrong. We're supposed to be burdened for each other. That's why we carry each other's burdens. That's why when we meet lost people, we don't turn up our nose 
at them. We don't keep a record of wrongs towards them. We don't say, well, I have every right to hate them because of their political beliefs. You don't. You love them anyway. You don't have to agree with them. You don't have to vote like they vote. It doesn't matter. On the far right, the far left, somewhere in between, I don't care. There could be a penguin party and everybody's like, I vote for penguins. And I'm like, I freaking hate penguins. And like, that's not how we do it. But that's how America works. Christians have gotten caught up in this in the last several years and it breaks my heart to watch Christians get mean and spiteful and hateful because of things not going the way they think they should. And that doesn't change people's hearts. In fact, it doesn't even change their minds. It just further ostracizes us from the Great Commission. Earn the right to be heard with your love and your good deeds and your kindness. Nobody's ever earned the right to be heard because you've gotten louder and meaner. That's not the burden of Jesus. Jesus didn't even retaliate when they were abusing him and beating him and mocking him and killing him. Why? Because he said, for the joy set before him, that's us, he endured the cross. So whether we consider ourselves mature Christians or not, we can answer that question very easily by saying, am I yoked with Jesus and do I bear the same burdens that Jesus bore? Because that'll, that'll give you a really good idea of what's going on. And then you look at this beautiful Philippians chapter 4, 6 through 8. It's a picture of the life we're called to think about and live. It says, rejoice in the Lord. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious or burdened. Those are similar Greek verbs or words. Um, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So I think we live in a very anxious time. We have people, I hear people more today than in my entire life saying, well, I struggle with anxiety. And, you know, when I was a kid, people didn't say that. They said, oh, well, they're just an anxious person, right? That's this thing. And and you're not defined by what you struggle with. I hope you guys all know that. I hope you realize that. If you struggle with anxiety, when you go to celebrate recovery, you don't say, hi, I'm Jeff. I'm an alcoholic. You say, hi, I'm Jeff. And by God's grace, he's setting me free from the power of alcohol, right? Like, I'm not going to have this identity as my struggle. My identity is in Christ. My struggle is with my flesh. And we all need that mentality because I am not my sin. I am a child of God and his grace is sufficient for me. So how I identify, I'm an anxious person. No, I'm not. I'm a child of God who might sometimes struggle with anxiety. And and I think it's good because when we say that, we can point it back to Jesus and say, Lord, you can handle all my struggles. Take this one. Help me with this too. Let me cast that anxiety upon you. Because you care for me. So what does this look like real world? Well, let's look at some applications. I want to help you guys, you know, butter the toast, so to speak. I don't know why I said that. It doesn't make any sense. But I guess I'm thinking of the meal. I'm hungry. Anyway, here's some application. Butter your toast. I'm an idiot. All right. Number one, Jesus doesn't yoke himself to us. We yoke to him. 
Very simple clarification, but very important clarification. It is not, and this is one of my favorites, it's not a bicycle built for two and then you get to stand there with the steering wheel and Jesus gets to pedal real hard for you and you get to decide where to go and you get to take all these cool trips. You're like, Jesus, pedal harder. Life is hard. He says, get off the front, come back here. I'm steering and I'll tell you, pedal harder. It's about to get tougher going uphill. And you don't get to say, well, Jesus, I don't want to go uphill. You're not steering. He is. You're not the lead animal. You're yoked to him. Remember that. Remind yourself of that. Constantly tell your flesh, you're not in charge. You can't be. You're stupid. You're evil. You're dragging me to hell. Why would I let you steer the ship? All right? When you feel those anxieties building, tell your flesh, you're not in charge. You're not making the decisions. Jesus is, and it really does help. Secondly, Worry, anxiety, and fear are natural fruits of carrying a burden you aren't designed to carry. So, little litmus tests. You feel worry, anxiety, or fear? Ask yourself, what burden is on me that Jesus doesn't want there? What am I doing right now that Jesus is saying, ah, that's not for you to carry? Either cast that upon me, Or you go to a brother or sister and let them carry that and fulfill the law of Christ. But that's not for you. That anxiety is because you think you're in charge that you're not. And that's why we have a family of faith. That's why we have pastors and shepherds and elders and deacons. So that we can go to people. We have Sunday school teachers and life group leaders and, and people that we trust. And we can say, I am really struggling right now. And I'm not exactly sure what's going on. But I'm anxious or I'm depressed or I'm fearful or I'm really worried about this. And hopefully we don't get that pie in the sky. Well, just trust Jesus. It's like, that's kind of what I'm trying to do. But what does it look like? And say, well, let's talk about it. Why do you think that is your decision? Like, what would happen if if you did let that go? What if Jesus is saying, hey, give that to me? What does that look like for you? And let's talk through it. Third application. If you have no love for the lost or your family of faith, then you don't carry the burden of Christ, and you might want to check your yoke as well. I don't know how else to put that, quite honestly. Um... If you really don't love people, if you really are just that grumpy, curmudgeon person that you hate certain types of people, you hate their political ideologies, you hate this group, you hate this, that's not the Lord. And you might say, no, 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 it is. He hates sin. Yes, God hates sin. He doesn't hate the person sinning. He loves them. And we're taking that hate sin and we're applying it to people. And that's a broad stroke Jesus doesn't ever want us to do. And if if you, and this is a little freebie for you here, if you feel persecuted by the unchristian culture that we live in, there's only two options. One, you're shining the light of Christ and you're getting pushback on that and you gotta love them even more. Or two, you're just kind of a jerk and you need to stop. Because sometimes we get persecuted because we're being a jerk, not because we're representing Christ. And then we double down. Look at me being persecuted for Jesus. Don't bring Jesus into this. Just shut your mouth and you'll stop being persecuted. It's okay. Go back to Jesus and ask him. Remember, I'm not your pastor. I'm leaving after lunch. So you got to understand that sometimes you are 
misconstruing the love of Christ to people and their reaction is to you, not to Jesus. So we have that burden to love them well and not just get our feelings hurt when they reject us. Because they may be rejecting you, not Jesus. Application number four. Only when we trust Jesus with every part of ourselves do we finally learn how easy his yoke and how light his burden really is. And I don't mean, you know, it's the old analogy. I've heard it for decades where, you know, the pastor will take his keychain and, and it's got like a thousand keys and each of these keys is a door to your life and your heart and your will. And you say, okay, Jesus, well, here, take all the keys, but you hold on to that last one and he can't take any of them until you, you know, we have heard these things. It's true though. We're saying, all right, Jesus, take my whole self, except this. And that's not how it works. Surrender is a total surrender. His burden is light and his yoke is easy when you are actually yoked to him and carrying his burden. So whatever you're struggling with today, I'm going to give you a chance to lay it down. I know there's a delicious lunch waiting on you, but... Maybe God has been stirring your heart today and you need to respond to that. So would you pray with me? Father, I know that you are good and that you love us and that you're patient with us, that you're not angry with us, that you're not calling us so that you can take us behind the woodshed and and beat us real good. You have called us to surrender, to, to have your rest for our souls, to bear the burden for the loss like you do to love your creation like you do, to actually look beyond ourselves for the good of others like you do. So Lord, if there's somebody here today that is not yoked to you and they need salvation, let today be that day for them. If there are believers here who are struggling against your yoke and really having a tough time carrying the burden you've designed them to carry, I pray that they would say, God, search me. Show me where I'm off track. Help me to let go of past hurts or uh, right now of, of insisting that things be done my way. God, give us eyes to see your truth today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.